This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and this is The Full Story. Rolling. There we go. With the election underway, The Guardian's political reporters have been travelling across the country to gauge the mood ahead of May 21st. Like I said, hello, I'm Catherine and you are? Maria. In this episode, Guardian Australia's political editor, Catherine Murphy, is in Tasmania, speaking to candidates and voters in key seats about salmon farming, housing, Scott Morrison, and a little thing known as the Jackie Lambie effect. She's got pretty good ideas. She says as it is. Today, what Tasmanian voters are thinking heading into the election. It's Thursday, the 21st of April. So Murph, you went down to Tasmania a couple of weeks ago. What do we need to know about the federal election and how it's going to play out down there? It's fascinating down there, genuinely fascinating. There are the two seats I think that politics watchers know lots about, which is the electorates of Bass and Braddon in the northwest of the state. These seats swing around from election to election. Mm. They're highly marginal and highly volatile. Basically, if we if we think about the placement of these electorates, Braddon is on the northwest and runs along the coast. Uh, Bass is in the north of the state around the Tamar River and and Valley, Launceston being a major population centre. There's also a a third seat, uh, Laura, in this contest that we need to keep an eye on. That's the neighbouring seat of Lyons, which is down through the middle and basically goes down to the northern suburbs of Hobart. The Liberal Party is investing a lot of resources in Lyons. We could certainly see that when we were there. Uh, Local strategists felt that Labor would probably hold that seat, but we need to be clear that the Libs are giving Lions a red-hot go, as well as the electorates of Bass and Braddon in terms of defending Liberal incumbents in those two seats. Right. So on this trip, you focused on the key seats of Bass and Braddon. Can you tell us about the candidates in these seats and how tough this election is looking for them? Tough, I think. Mm. And at the moment, the Liberal Party holds both Braddon and Bass. Let's start in Braddon. The incumbent there is a Liberal MP by the name of Gavin Pearce. He's been in Parliament just for this term. Facing off against him, the Labor candidate in Braddon is a fellow by the name of Chris Lynch, a high-profile independent by the name of Craig Garland. Now, he's from the northwest coast. Mm. He's a commercial fisherman. I'm a marginal income fisherman. We got nothing. He told us a fascinating story because obviously Mm. independence, it's very hard to run election campaigns. They're expensive. I thought, how am I going to do this, you know, then out of the blue? Uh, The producers of Survivor turned up. Believe it or not. (laughs) And they needed a couple of boats to um, conduct their their filming and what have you and hired two boats and and, um, that's freed my next two months up thank God. So, yeah. Uh, Thereby getting the funding that he needed in order to run in Braddon this time around. So Survivor launched his campaign, basically. Pretty much. Survivor launched his campaign, written and (laughs) authorised by Survivor. Uh, And fairly recently, another candidate uh, has hit the hustings as well for the local party in Tasmania, and his name is Scott Rankin. And of course, Jackie Lambie has a candidate, and I think Clive Palmer's running a candidate in the seat as well, but they're the main players. Mm. And how marginal is this seat? 
Uh, I think Gavin Pearce holds it at the moment on a 4% margin. And what about Bass, the other seat that you visited? Yes, well, it's ultra marginal. It is the Morrison government's most marginal held seat anywhere around the country. Mm. Last time Bridget Archer, the Liberal incumbent, won the seat by literally a handful of votes. I think it was about 600 votes. Uh, She's a very interesting character and has uh, built up a national profile, really, over the last three years in the parliament. I work for the people of Bass. It's the people of Bass that are my employers. And so my um, loyalty lies uh, to them first. She's a farmer and uh, and has five kids and lives in the region. Uh, since she's come to Canberra, she's made a bit of a name for herself, sticking up or, or not necessarily towing the government line on a range of issues. She actually has spoken out against the cashless debit card and welfare program. She also, uh, rather sensationally, towards the end of this parliament, crossed the floor to support a debate on Helen Haynes, an an independent MP's integrity commission bill. That was quite a moment. Uh, And she Mm. also was one of the group of moderates who crossed the floor during the parliamentary debate about Scott Morrison's religious discrimination package. She and Mm. uh, a handful of colleagues were trying to basically stand up for protections for transgender students, basically torpedoed Scott Morrison's package and, and shot Bridget Archer to national prominence. Who's running against her? A fellow by the name of Ross Hart. He is a Launceston-based barrister, again, reasonably high profile around Launceston, and he also was uh, the member for Bass from 2016 to 2019. The question is is whether our suite of policies will be uh, enough to uh, get uh, 50% plus one to uh, vote Labor. Right, so Murph, what are the really big issues in these key seats that voters and candidates are thinking about? in the lead-up to May 21st? Well, the Tassie seats are much like seats all around the country. Voters are concerned about cost of living. They're concerned about uh, health care, particularly in Tasmania, because the Tasmanian health system isn't brilliant. There's a, a lot of focus always on the health system and the quality in the health system. Mm. I'm just recording here. Uh, my name's Catherine, and who am I talking to? Cassie. Hello, Cassie. Hi. Lovely to meet you. So what will be in your mind when you cast your vote? Probably just care more about the people that put stuff into health and mental health. What do you think are the most important issues locally? I think that the health is very important and I know of people who have gone in for a, a piece of surgery and have been pulled off and taken home. And that shouldn't happen. Also in Tassie, housing is huge. There's uh, housing affordability issues. There's also um, supply issues. One of the business people who we spoke to in Stanley, hospitality business, said... We've got so desperate for housing for staff. We've had to buy houses in the last couple of years to put staff in. There's a huge labour shortage, everybody I speak to. And then you've got a housing shortage, so... That's the big issue at the moment, I think. All of those things are front of front of mind for Tasmanian voters. In the northwest, in Braddon, the two red hot issues are a, a large wind farm development at Robins Island, and the expansion of salmon farming into Bass Strait. These are highly local controversies, and uh, and they're they're very much front and centre in this contest. 
the Liberal government seems to be all in for industry and over-industrialising Tasmania and uh, we're being hit from all sides in Stanley. Uh, the wind farm is current and the biggest threat that we feel to our paradise. Um, it's too close to the town. We're all for green energy. This huge development doesn't belong on a beautiful peninsula that is tourism, huge tourism, 100,000 people a year are drawn to here because of its beauty and unique historical town. What about Tasmanian voters' thoughts on the leaders and the major parties? We, we had your colleague Paul Carp on the podcast last week talking about how, you know, he spoke to 100 voters in Western Australia and they didn't have a lot of great things to say about Morrison, but also didn't know who Albanese was, a lot of them. <laughs> Did we see similar themes in Tasmania? Very much. There was not a lot of love out there in the community for the Prime Minister. I'm Catherine, as you know. Who am I speaking to? Patience Stewart. Okay. Patience, what do you think about Scott Morrison? Uh, Morrison, I think he should be buried, quite honestly. Um, I have no time for him. I find he's um, uh, is reactive. There's no forward thinking. Hello, Cassie. Hi. Lovely to meet you. So, um, talk to me about the election. What do you think about Scott Morrison? He's an idiot. He's an absolute flaming idiot. <laughs> anything, anything in particular that he's done? Just he doesn't do anything. Right. Just goes and holidays and yeah. does whatever he wants and. I don't think he really cares much about anybody but himself. So, as I said, hello, I'm Catherine. Who are you? Uh, Julian. What do you think about Scott Morrison? Uh, an absolute fool and dangerous. The man um, is not a politician. He's uh, morally bankrupt. I think he could have had a part in Don't Look Up, the movie. The, the failed ad man who gets into politics and every time he gets into political trouble he makes another ad. We heard those, basically that story, uh, don't look much like the Prime Minister, aren't really sold on Albanese and, and Labor yet from a bunch of voters with different starting points and inclinations in terms of, you know, what, what team they normally back. And, uh, and Anthony Albanese, any better? Yes, um, but he's a little bit of an unknown, though I've, living, I've been living in Australia for a long time. We don't know much about him, so we can't really comment. And what about um, the Labor leader, Anthony Albanese, any better? I don't know. I don't really follow it, so I don't really know anything about them. And the person who crystallised that pox on both your houses or meh on both your houses best was Brad in the seat of Braddon. And what about Anthony Albanese? Is he any better? Two chicks to see my soul, really. <laughs> <laughs> when I first heard <laughs> this saying Murph. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't quite understand it. Can you, can you actually break mm -hmm. down what two chicks, one hustle means? <laughs> I think what he meant by it was you look at the major party offerings, uh, there's there's no fundamental differences between the, the, the parties in terms of how they conduct themselves or what they offer. And this is why there was, there was quite a distinct leaning to candidates and parties other than the major parties when we were there. And and the, the main recipient of of the of the curiosity, I think, of voters in northwest Tasmania was Jackie Lambie. Well I think Jackie Lambie's probably the most down to earth person. Mm -hmm. You see her all the time. She's from Latrobe. Yeah. Yeah, originally. So 
where my family are. And okay. Stuff. So yeah, pro- I'd probably go her. Would you? Yeah. So be, because she's not running in this seat, she'll yeah. have a candidate running in this seat. Is it enough for you that you approve of her enough to be able to trust to vote for one of her candidates? Would that oh, be yeah. sufficient? Yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next, the Lambie effect and what it could mean for the results in Tasmania. So Murph, Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie, of course, has her own party these days, the Jackie Lambie Network. And while she's currently the only representative of that party in Parliament, they are running candidates in these key seats we've been talking about in Tasmania this election. Can you tell me a bit about Jackie Lambie and what you've dubbed the Lambie effect? Yeah, well, it's fascinating down there. Obviously, uh, people who follow politics at the national level closely will be familiar with Jackie Lambie. She's quite a presence in Mm. the Senate. What I'd completely underestimated before I did the trip down there was uh, what a phenomenon she is in the northwest of Tasmania. Mm. A number of people that we speak to struggled to identify their local member, but everybody knew Jackie Lambie. Kevin uh, Phillips in Burnie says she's, she's a bit like the old school Democrats. Jackie Lambie party is probably could be compared to the old school Democrats um, when the Democrat Party was around and the motto was to keep the bastards honest. That was the guy's motto. And I think we need people like Jackie Lambie in Parliament. Uh, and we met Gwen. She's a long-time Liberal voter. She thinks that Scott Morrison performed well during the coronavirus pandemic, but she likes Jackie Lambie as well. I don't like Labor. Right. So I probably I would never vote Labor. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like I like the independence. Yes. So tell me which independence uh, you like the sound of. Well, I like Jack, Jackie Lambie. Back in Launceston, this is uh, in the Civic Square. We met Patience. I uh, have a great respect for Jackie Lambie. Mm-hmm. I feel that she's been through the mill. She is one of the people. She doesn't pull any punches, and I respect her for that. But also, she had great respect for Jackie Lambie. I don't know whether I would uh, support her for a direct seat here. Mm. I um, would be cautious of that, but I think Jackie Lambie herself has to be in Parliament Mm -hmm. because I think she's one of those voices that actually tells it how it is. And, you know, when we pressed people who we spoke to, you know, would you contemplate voting for a, a Lambie candidate in these contests, people were certainly thinking about it. Now, I don't know if they will or not, because to them that represented a sort of different style of politics that they were quite interested in. If this is sustained throughout the campaign and if people are still inclined to back in a Lambie candidate, they might actually pick up you know, a reasonable percentage of the vote. And then it's entirely possible because of how close these seats are, you know, they're they're very marginal seats, that those preferences could be quite critical in determining the outcome in in Bass and Braddon. Right. As you said, Bass was won by something like 600 votes last federal election. Do we have any sense then as to where those preferences might go, the Jackie Lambie network preferences? 
when we visited, she hadn't made up her mind about where the preferences would go. So I actually sat down with Jackie Lambie in her electorate office in downtown Burnie. I am on the road. I'm in Tasmania and uh, and with me is Jackie Lambie. Oh, hello. How are you going? <laughs> well, look, uh, Jackie Lambie is not uh, enamoured with Scott Morrison. I think that's fair mm. to say. Surely Morrison's got to be gone. You would think he's got to be gone. I just, I, quite frankly, um, the Liberals in nine years have gone. I've gone through Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison, uh, and they've hit rock bottom. For the greater, for the goodness of the nation, they need to go away and have a good look at themselves for a few years and resort themselves out. That's what I think. I think they're a very divided party. Um, they are struggling, and I always said that about um, Scott Morrison. I don't believe he's got leader, leader capabilities in him. Um, and then you've got the other side of it because I guess Albo is un- untested. Mm. Big thing down here, and especially in Tasmania, is the word change. Mm. You know, you can walk around and you can see that change is in the air. They're just not 100% sold on Albanese. She said what she would be looking for closely was the capacity of the, of the major party candidates to bring necessary services into these two electorates. So, uh, you know, she was sort of, I guess, opening a bidding war, <laughs> you know, uh, on the part of the major parties. Show us, you know, show us what mm. you got. And then once I've seen what you can deliver for these areas, then I will determine whether or not we direct our preferences. I suggest you get to the table and talk to us about preference deals because I would think that the Queen Maker um, is going to be the Jackie Lambie Network and where those preferences go in those three um, electorates. Mm. So how are the Liberal candidates in these two key seats dealing with this, the unpopularity of Morrison with some voters and also with Jackie Lambie? Both Gavin Pearce and Bridget Archer make a very public display of them working for the people of northwest Tasmania. Mm. I often say I don't work for Scott Morrison and I don't work for the Liberal Party. I work for the people of Bath. They style themselves locally as, uh, you know, representation up rather than getting to Canberra being swallowed in that apparatus and then just blindly doing whatever they're told to do by the national leadership. Mm. Is Scott Morrison a plus or a minus for you in this campaign? Look, it's um, it's hard to know. Uh, I think it's been a really, really difficult couple of years on lots of different levels, the pandemic and a whole range of other things. If people care about local representation, then they should look to the candidate. They should look to are they going to have a strong voice in the parliament representing them in Canberra uh, because that's the way our democracy should work. Um, it shouldn't work the other way around. As you mentioned, though, Murph, Jackie Lambie says she wants to pick preferences based on who is going to do the most for Tasmania, not just on a pure dislike of Scott Morrison. So what is her view on these candidates and what they can offer in these seats? Yeah, well, it's interesting, particularly the relationship, I think, with Bridget Archer is very interesting because uh, Bridget Archer told me when I was down there that Jackie Lambie had made an effort to recruit Mm. her, Bridget Archer, to the Jackie Lambie network. You know, Jackie has asked me a number of times to um, leave the Liberals and um, join her and, you know, I think on the basis that she does see that I have stood up for um, Tasmania and um, have acted in the best interests of my constituents. She had sort of said to Bridget Archer, well, look, 
why do the crossing the floor bit? You know, you could actually join up with me and then you would have perfect liberty basically to vote however you please on whatever the the prevailing issues are. Then also, I think though, Jackie Lambie is sort of sharing those messages in bass. Why didn't she just go out as an independent? Why didn't she get up and leave? Why is she, why is she staying there? So that there's all that. She's saying to local voters there, well, look, yeah, sure, you might admire Bridget Archer for being independent and standing up to Morrison and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if she was a genuine independent, then she'd quit the Liberal Party. What does Archer say to that, that idea that she should be an independent or running with the Jackie Lambie network? Because, you know, on the surface, you do have these two women who have a bit in common here, that they speak their minds, that they don't necessarily follow the party line or any party. Well, I think Bridget Archer's point, uh, both to Lambie and to others who suggest that she should leave the Liberal Party, her riposte is, well, why? Mm. (laughs) Why should I go? Like, if, you're, if your question comes from a place of, um, you know, all of the Liberal Party are, um, or all of the coalition are nasty, um, which, you know, I think that sometimes that's a, just a nebulous view. Well, they're all nasty and so you should go. Why should I go? Why shouldn't they go? Do you know what I mean? Um, because, like, I have something to bring, I have something to offer um, and they can make room for me. Right, so Jackie Lambie says she's going to be the queen or the kingmaker. When will we know who she is anointing? I love this idea of Jackie Lambie, you know, sort of frisbeeing a crown around northern Tasmania. Uh, look, I think in the closing weeks of the campaign, we'll get a better sense of where uh, where those preferences are going to be directed. Look, gut feeling says those preferences are more likely to go Labor's way than the coalition's. But again, she hasn't declared. And also, we were deployed in this seat just immediately before the election was called. We're now a couple of weeks into the campaign. People will be reassessing their own uh, observations and choices. Mm. Smurf, after speaking to a bunch of voters and candidates down in Tasmania, how likely is it that we're going to see these key seats swing once again and how significant would that be for the outcome of this election? I mean, obviously it depends what happens elsewhere. Uh, Both sides going into this election contest, neither side can afford losses. The Prime Minister can't afford to lose two seats in Tasmania. But also in the event these two seats do fall to Labor, it's not necessarily enough though for Labor to prevail in the national seat count. It's, you know, there's lots of different dynamics in different parts of the country and it's all a race for the minimum number number of seats required to form a government. And I think my own gut feeling from what I observed there was I don't see Labor winning Bass and Braddon in their own right, notwithstanding that, that there's a backlash against Scott Morrison there. There's some factors in the state parliament that might depress the Labor vote. You know, the state parliamentary Labor folks are a bit of a shambles. So I think it's a difficult contest for Labor to sort of steam in and grab those two seats. But I think if the Lambie vote is high enough and it does distribute back in Labor's favour, there are two ifs there, <laughs> it's possible that Labor gains those seats on the back of Lambie preferences. Thank you. 
That was Catherine Murphy, Guardian Australia's political editor. You can find more of Guardian's election coverage at theguardian.com, including Catherine Murphy's piece on Tasmania that we've linked on the Full Story page. You can also listen to Full Story's campaign catch-up, our daily short election update that tells you everything you need to know as the campaign progresses. That's in the Full Story feed every day. This episode was produced by Karishma Lusriya, Alison Chan and Ellen Lee Beater. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. OK, catch you tomorrow.